Shame on you for all those things. All right, we're continuing our study on the home. And uh, so uh, tonight we're going to talk about husbands and uh, talk about men for a little bit, all right? If you are a husband, you need to pay close attention. If you plan on one day being a husband, you need to pay close attention, all right? If you uh, are already past that time in your life and you're widowed, then you need to be ready to teach. That is not your pastor speaking. That is your Savior speaking. Do you understand how this works? Uh, that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Bible says, I'm not the one that says this, the Bible calls you older. Let the older men, let the elders teach the younger. And so uh, that's what we're supposed to be doing, and we're going to jump in to do that. Uh, I remember years ago, several years ago, I was doing a series on on uh, the family at some point or another. We were over in the other building, and uh, Jack Atwell orchestrated this. So those of you who remember Brother Jack, you'll, you'll appreciate it. So the, the week before, I, had, uh, I started with the ladies. And so the, the, you know, I let them have it. So that. then I said, next week, guys, get ready. It's your turn. And so then whenever we st- stood up and said, okay, guys, it's your turn, Jack had passed out newspapers to all the men. They just held the newspapers up like they were like we were all sitting at the breakfast table and I was their spouse or something. No, 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 no. So we're going to talk about that role of that man in the home. So what do you think? What do you think is the most significant role that a husband is to have with the wife? Okay, godly leadership. That's what I would have expected everyone to answer, and I'm going to disagree with you. And I'll show you why. Let's pray, and then we'll show you. Father, we ask that you would just bless tonight as we look at your word and allow your word to teach us and instruct us. Help us to, uh, to learn from it and to grow through it. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We like that manly role of godly leadership. It makes us sound so, uh, so strong and manly. But uh, I'm going to argue with this point, all right? The very first thing, the first introduction of a husband and wife, God says something like this. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. God starts this out, this process out with the man. In the New Testament, God says it something like this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I'm going to challenge us tonight with the concept that loving your wife is the number one. Now, ladies, I think you'll get on board with me here. Love is the, biblically speaking, this is biblical, right? Apart from God himself being the power, the most powerful force that God has put on this planet is love, right? It is. God himself is love. And here is just the difficult thing for us guys to get hold of sometimes, but it's the reality. It's much easier. In fact, it's almost a given for the ladies that they will follow us if we love them. But when a guy starts out loving himself first, puts himself up as the most important thing, and you're supposed to obey me because I am me, then I can promise you this is going to be a rocky road in the rest of this marriage. It's not going to be fun. It's not the way it's supposed to work. And so I want us to look at this concept of God's 
what God is expecting of us guys is to love this woman. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 24. When a man has taken a new wife, now you ladies are going to amen, and I wish I could make this happen. This happens to be a societal issue. This is something that God expected of the children of Israel. It is part of God's law, and it's not necessarily something that we fall under. But you ladies are going to be amening, and you're going to say, this is the way life should be. Well, I can't make it happen, but listen to what it says. When a man taketh a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business. But he shall be free at home for one year, and shall cheer up his wife which he hath taken. Wow. This is what God said. God said entering into this relationship is so important, guys, that we love her, that God said, I don't want you to do anything else for a year. I want you to focus on her and cheer her up for one year. You know, what God goes on to say is that, you know, hey, listen, uh, she's had to change her life to come live with you. And so she needs the strength that you have to offer her. And so this is how important God says this is. And it's amazing that, you know, we haven't gotten the leadership. I'm well aware back in Genesis there's this leadership concept. Uh, when God looked at the woman, you know, this was part of the curse now. But before the curse, God said, get married, right? Love your wife. Leave your father and your mother. After the curse, God says to the woman, now you're going to have to have a different relationship with him. He's going to be over you in a different way. And uh, things did change. There's no question. No question. We're going to talk about that later. Ladies, we'll get to you. It won't be next week, but we'll, we'll get to you. But, um, you know, God puts this focus on this relationship. Guys, it's so important that you spend, that we spend, I'm not saying you, that we spend time learning how to love this woman that God has placed into our lives. And God makes it significant by saying, take a year off and go do this. And, uh, you know, I know most of us can't afford to take a year off. By the way, if, if they were taking a year off, who was taking care of them? How did they do that? Yeah, there's a couple ways in which this happened. Do you remember that dowry stuff that was in there? And do you remember... You know, part of the thing that would happen is dad would also sit down with, you know, with the uh, potential son-in-law and say, all right, show me what it is that you can bring to the plate because, you know, I'm not going to just take anybody from my daughter. And then the family unit would get involved. I mean, everybody was pitching in. I'm well aware that this is a societal thing. We don't live in that society anymore. But the, the mentality of God's approach to marriage is still the same. God says this is such a significant move that you need to focus on this relationship and make that the number one thing that you focus on, especially your first year of marriage. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, listen to what Proverbs says in chapter 5. Uh, I'll try to be careful. There's a part of it that you'll have to just uh, take my word for. Drink waters out of thine own cistern. Okay, now I'm going to tell you right now, this is talking about marriage. So... Start thinking, all right? Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let, thine fountain, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of water in the streets, and let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice. By the way, that's an and. We're still in the same phrase here. And rejoice with the wife of thy youth. 
Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. Wow. God just doesn't leave a whole lot to the imagination. And I actually left out a couple of words because God doesn't leave a whole lot to the imagination. I'm telling you what God's saying, guys, is that she is your number one priority. Do you see this? So much so that you're supposed to leave father and mother, you know, break those ties. It doesn't mean you never see them, never speak to them. You know, I mean, my kids are sitting here. I want you to come visit us and visit us often. But the idea is that, you know, that you're supposed to have your own life. That is the idea. Uh, marriage is intended to be till death do us part. But kids are intended to be until marriage do us part, right? Let a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too become one flesh. And so God focuses really on this aspect of relationship, to love her as Christ loved the church, to make her the focus of your life, and to make this such an important thing that you spend a lot of time doing this, and that you become ravished always with her love. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Live. Listen to the next word, guys. This is not me talking. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of life. Wow. That's incredible. Live joyfully with the wife that thou lovest all the days of the life. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives. And then God says this really strange thing in there. It's strange until you've been married for a couple of days. And then you realize, you know what? There's a battle going on here. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them you know what marriage does when two people become one it means that guys we no longer have the freedom to do whatever we want because we have someone else to consider do you understand the real the reality of all of this is that we didn't get a wife so that we don't have to wash dishes and if that's what you did Wow, we need to have a long conversation, all right? So as we're entering into this concept of the family, and uh, by the way, this, is, this never ends. You know, I, I, uh, the, old, you know, the old joke, uh, and it is a joke, uh, but the old joke is, you know, uh, the guy, the preacher stands up and says, you ought to tell your wife every day that you love her. And the guy says, you know, Pastor, I told my wife I loved her the day we got married, and I haven't changed my mind. No reason to repeat myself. Yes, there is, right? Yes, whatever, I'm making it up. I can't remember the, exactly what the punchline is. But it, this is something we continually do. This isn't a one-time event. And so God calls upon husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So help me here. Uh, how did Christ love the church? Besides the rest of the verse, and gave himself for it. But what does that mean? I mean, in one phrase, we sum up all of Christ's love for the church. So what does it, tell me, 
What does Christ do for the church? Say it again. All right, there's an unconditional love. Aren't you glad of that one, by the way? Have you ever had reason for God to love you unconditionally? I mean, have you ever not deserved God's love? Better question. Have you ever deserved God's love? You you get the idea? It's an unconditional love. Uh, God doesn't love us because we're lovely. He doesn't. Christ didn't die for us because we're worthy. He he died for us, gave himself for us unconditionally, and that is the approach that we have. We don't love this woman that God brought into our lives because she makes us happy. We love this woman that God brought into our lives because this is the woman that God brought into our lives. Do you understand? There's a big difference. And when we do that, it's much easier for that woman to submit to our leadership. It really is. What else? How else does Christ love the church? He provides for it. He takes care of it. Here's the way the Bible says it. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. How? By Christ Jesus. Right? So he provides for the church. And not just provides for the church, but all of our needs. And we're going to talk about that one a little bit later. What else? Okay, he knows the needs. He does. He, this is an important thing. We're going to talk about this when you're jumping ahead of me. All right, so there's another thing we'll be talking about with husbands uh, a little later on. Not tonight, probably. And uh, we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, but he knows the needs. What else does Christ do to love the church? He protects the church so that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What else? He leads the church. He leads in a godly fashion. He leads the church righteously, and we so we can do so. What else? He's the head of the church. What does he do to love the church? How about this? Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It sounds kind of like a marriage vow. Till death do us part. Right? This is, we could keep going. We could go on and on because the love of Christ is, uh, is infathomable. But uh, the idea is this is what you and I are supposed to do. Uh, he gives us then a very clear understanding of what the love of Christ looks like in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've kind of worked ourselves through this before, so I'm not trying to rush past it, but I, but I want to, to uh, get past it fast enough that it doesn't take four or five nights to do this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts out, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, which means... The words are what? Vain. They're fake. They're phony. It's just a lot of noise, right? If all I do is tell people how much I love my wife, but I go home and I don't show my wife how much I love my wife, then I am just a lot of noise, sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am... Nothing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Why? Because here's what the Bible's going to teach me now about charity. Listen up, teenagers. 
You need to learn how to love the right way. Don't tell that young lady you love her if you don't live out this, I will call you a liar to your face. Because this is what love is. All right? Listen up. Charity or love suffers long. What's that mean? That means when she wants you to turn off the television and talk because you love her more than yourself and your role is to meet her needs, you turn off the television and talk. By the way, if we love her the right way, she will find it to be no problem to give you television time. All right? It's not like you're feeding her selfish manner. No. It's like you're leading her into godly love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. As opposed to what? Have you ever seen a husband that's not kind to his wife? As opposed to mean? Have you ever seen a... Don't point, please. Have you ever seen a husband that, that's mean to their wife? I, I, I honestly, you think, uh, I, I said this to, to, I was doing some counseling here a while back, and I said to this young couple, is this what you want, you know, your kids are watching you. Is this what you want for them? Because you're showing them how to be married. Is this what you want? Because they're going to follow, what else can they do? What other example do they have? They live with us. They're going to follow our... Is this what you want? <laughs> oh, I love the, uh, the, the heart of a child. Nope, I don't want it. I don't want it, Pastor. Just stop already. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, what do you want? Well, be kind. Be kind to one another. You know, um, I... Um, I gotta be uh, careful, all right. So, you know, but uh, within my family, for years, uh, there there were some people within my family, not my immediate family, um, and this is how they would communicate. I didn't say that. Whap! Yes, you did. Whap! <laughs> I mean, this magnesium on the arm. You're like, how did you guys have five kids? I, I don't understand this. You know, like, wow, is this what you want? Really? Stop and think. Be kind. Because this is what godly love looks like. It's not just, it's not just you know, saying the right words. It's action. So charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Envieth not. What's envy? It's kind of like jealousy. You know, jealousy, I, I heard this distinction. I don't know if this is exactly right in all the, the Greek and Hebrew, but I, I like this distinction between the words. Jealous says, I want what you've got. Envy says, if I can't have it, neither can you. So jealousy would be, you know, I don't like you because you've got a nicer car than me. Envy says, well, I'm going to make sure you don't have a nicer car than me, so I key your car on the way out to mine. <laughs> you get the idea? If I can't have it, neither can you. And so there's a distinction between envy. And you think, does envy actually show up in a marriage? Mm-hmm. Everyone who's been married for 15 minutes is like, mm-hmm. 
Now, it, 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 it is, I mean, it, is a, it takes the power of God to take two lives and to make them one. This isn't something that human beings do on their own. And this, you're, you're hearing why, because of all of these things being played out. Love doesn't envy. It's like, you know, love doesn't make it difficult for the other one. Envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Charity, God's love, doesn't put itself up here over everybody else. In fact, it's the total opposite. If I have God's love, I become the servant of everybody. You see, guys, she's really not given to us by God to be our servant. She's not. In fact, it's the total opposite when you and I accept the role of Christ being the head of the church. We give ourselves for her. We become the servant. That's what it means to be Christ-like, to be the servant. And so that's what charity does. Charity doesn't bond itself up, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Huh? What's that one mean? I don't know. (laughs) What's that one mean? It means this. Guys, listen up. This is me, all right? I mean, I'm just going to tell you honestly, this is, you know, this is a challenge for people like me. We do not embarrass her. Does not be, behave itself unseemly. She isn't embarrassed. That doesn't mean that you're not silly. doesn't mean you don't do fun stuff. But you know that line. You know right where it is. And you know when you're crossing it, stop. Because that's not what godly love looks like doth not behave itself unseemly. Now, I know sometimes you think, well, she just needs to lighten up a little bit. All right, well, you can have that conversation, but that's a conversation. You 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 don't help her lighten up by embarrassing her. You have the conversation first. I know this because uh, we could go on for, um, you notice I don't give Melody a chance to speak during these times. (laughs) Let me get out the list. Uh, You know, I mean, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own means <laughs> okay her needs seeking that her needs are more important seeking that her own is not demanding our own way isn't we're not we're less interested in ourselves than than in them, or in if we're seeking our own way, right? That's not what love does. Love doesn't seek its own way. Seek it not our own. I, I want to, I mean, guys, we can become master manipulators. So can ladies, but guys, we, so we can manipulate our family so that our needs, our wants, are what's being met out. But when we're doing that, we're no longer mirroring the love that Christ had for the church. Because in Christ's love, he's not, the, he's not seeking his own. The Bible says he came to seek and to save us, that which was lost, right? He's not seeking his own as far as his own way. He is, he's seeking our benefit, our help, our blessing. Seeking not our own is not easily provoked. Don't make this one hard. What is it? Don't lose your temper. But I'm Irish. Get over it. I don't know what to tell you. 
My mom's last name was Flynn. That's about as Irish as you can get. So I, but that doesn't give me an excuse to be a drunken sailor, and it doesn't give me an excuse to, to lose my temper, right? I'm saved by the grace of God and empowered by the Spirit of God to live the way God calls me to live. And so I don't have to do these things. So I ought not to be easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Says. What would that one mean? Okay. I'm not going to assume that there's something negative behind everything that she's doing. But instead I'm going to assume, okay, uh, have you... Have you ever thought, she knows I don't like this. Why did she make this for supper? Really? Is that where we're going with this? She's doing that on purpose. Oh, really, guys? Are we slipping off into this kind of thinking? Because that kind of thinking does not mirror the love of Christ. Right? Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity... In other words, I'm not, I'm not pleased and finding my joy in things that are wrong, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity lasts until she does something I don't like. No, charity never faileth. You get the idea? This is what God says to us. Uh, I believe this is the most important thing. I, you've heard this said before. This is not new to your pastor. But the, the greatest gift that parents can give to their children is to love each other. Right? It is. It really is. Love each other. Your, your kids will, will grow through that by leaps and bounds. It's an amazing thing. So, uh, you know, what God says, guys, our leadership is important, and it's coming. We're going to talk about leadership. But that is not the primary of this relationship. We didn't get married so we can lead. That's not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to reflect the love of Christ, to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And guys, if we'll start there, the rest of this starts falling into place much easier. But if we're still struggling on the love part, I'm not saying the words... We all said the words, you wouldn't get married. It's the practical living out of the love of Jesus Christ in our homes. If we will love her the way God calls us to do. And I'm saying this to you. I mean, Melody's sitting right here. I'm saying this as if this is like, I I'm telling you the way it is in my home. All right. That, uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the way it ought to be in my, you know what I am? I'm a human being just like you. There have been times in my life I've done this fairly well. There have been times in my life I've been a miserable flop at doing this. And, uh, and it's played itself out in our home, just the way you might think that it would. But here's what I know. God has empowered us to do this, guys. We can do this. All we need to do is determine that we're going to allow God to change us so that this can be accomplished. Because it's not going to happen by nature. We do not love by nature. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I'm trying to watch my clock. I kept you last night or this morning. I won't keep you tonight. Uh, I, I said this. I've said this to you before. It's true. God never once that I could find in the scripture commands a woman to love her husband. In Titus chapter one, the Bible says that older women should teach younger women how 
to love their husbands. Because women tend to do that the wrong way. You tend to want to mother us, and we will let you. And that's not really what we need. And we'll talk about that when we talk about women. All right? God doesn't command a woman to love us. By nature, a woman tends to love those who love her. But God does, on several occasions, look at the husband and say, Husbands, hello, wake up. Love your wives and be not bitter against them. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Because by our nature, guys, we tend to focus right here, numero uno, like we're the most important thing. And what woman wouldn't be blessed to be with me for the rest of her life? And if we're not careful, we take that mentality right into our marriage and somehow think that we're, go we're doing her the favor. And that's not the case. So God keeps reminding us in the scripture, husbands, love your wives. And guys, when we do that, it changes our home. So I'm going to challenge us this week to love your wife. This week, tell her. This week, show her. This week, Take her out on a date or do something unique to let her know that you are listening to what God is trying to accomplish in your heart, that your love is not going to mirror some love song out there, but it's going to mirror the love of Jesus Christ to the church.